the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have uh, really decided to do the some of the most egregious things in the Star Wars universe. Um, we are going to be breaking down the 1984 The Ewok Adventure, which has since gotten a name change to Caravan of Courage, an Ewok Adventure. Uh, then we are going to review the cartoon Ewoks, and then we're going to do what is probably the most heinous thing that people might hate us and and you know <laughs> stop <laughs> listening to our podcast for. We're going to recast Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, the first one, 1977. People are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because why not? I'm excited about that one. Yeah, why not? You know what? Who cares? They're not going to make another one. You know, you don't need a reboot. Of course not. I'm not saying we need one because it's what we do. Yeah, I, I look at it as a as a, like a challenge. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a game. I'm trying to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, I mean, exactly. I want to make a really good movie updated. If if we were gonna do it now, who would be good people to put into it? If anyone has listened to our show for you know any kind of amount of time, they know one of the things that we hate the most is kid casting. <laughs> and so we were not going to going to cast the Ewok adventure because it's basically two kids and some Ewoks. Yeah. Yeah. No dice. Uh, so yeah, so that is what we're going to do today. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm curious, you know, I had to talk about the Ewok adventure with you, um, but we'll get about, we'll get into that when we start getting into that section. Um, but for now I want to be brought back to 1984. John, could you please take us there with some uh, fun facts? All right, so the movie came out on November 25th, 1984. Uh, The Billboard Top 100 single of that week, it's a classic. It's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. Wake me up before you go-go. Uh, yes, don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. <laughs> a great fun party song. I think it was one of those ones that, you know, when we were kids, after the song had run its popularity, it was kind of like, oh, it's it's too cheesy to like. But now it's made its way around, and it's a really is a fun song to listen to. I agree. You know what? That's a perfect way to put it, because there's a spot in my age where I'm like, oh, that song's stupid. Uh, you know, that's just silly. And then after you get a little bit older, you're like, that's just a, it's a bop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? You just want to bob your head too. It's good. Yeah. Topping the Nielsen ratings that week was another TV movie, because essentially this, uh, the Ewok Avenger was a TV movie, so obviously this one didn't top the ratings. Oh, uh-oh. Because <laughs> it was a different one. Uh, I know nothing about it, but it was called Fatal Vision, uh, probably about some sort of grisly murder. People like murders. Yeah. The New York Times bestseller was a book called The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub. Okay. Uh, in video games, that uh, earlier that month saw the release of a game called Grobda by Namco. It was a spinoff of a game called Xevious. I'd never heard of either one of those. Yeah. 
<laughs> I do not know grobda, grobda, whatever. Uh, it looks it looks extremely boring in today's standards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this was 1984, so mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure this was even pre NES. Uh, I think the NES came out in '83. Okay. It just it just wasn't you know it hadn't hit big popularity yet. Right. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about 1984, uh, this is a good thing. This was when we first saw the publication of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. Oh, yes. Which later went on to be a cartoon that is close to our hearts and, um, um, frankly, a movie franchise that is close to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yep, very much so. So, uh, Eastman and Laird, we thank you guys for that. And that was 1984. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, do we have to? Talk Ewoks, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk Ewoks. All right, the Ewok Adventure, as I mentioned, got rebranded, uh, I think, when they were selling the DVDs or something, or selling it for VHS, whatever they renamed it to Caravan of Courage, uh, an Ewok Adventure. But Star Wars stuff does that. I mean, we all know... Star Wars was just called Star Wars, and then when they decided to put on other ones, they added, oh, it, it, let's call that first one A New Hope, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Lucas just can't make up his mind. No, he can't. It's it's so annoying. <laughs> uh, actually, I remember seeing on Facebook Marketplace at one point, there was somebody was selling a bunch of VHSs, and the Star Wars movies on VHS were in there, and I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably buy those because I, I think they're the ones... You know, before the special edition yeah. got rechanged, and I and I do have access uh, at my work to take VHS and turn it into MP4, and then I could turn it into a DVD or something. And so it's like, shit, maybe I should do that just to have like the the real movies. I don't know why I didn't. I should. Yeah. I, I I might hunt back on that, and get that <laughs> thing done. So because I'm sick of seeing all these you know new updates, but yeah. uh, whatever. All right, so yes, uh, 1984 is a TV film, so made for TV. It originally aired on ABC on November 25th, uh, three days before, uh, a year before I was birthday, I guess. <laughs> so it's still, A year and three days. A year and three days before I was born. Um, so it does have a sequel, which I feel like the sequels, at least the title, is a little bit more well-known, Battle for Endor, uh, Ewoks Battle for Endor. Um, this film won uh, an Emmy for outstanding visual effects. It definitely wasn't going to win an Oscar for visual <laughs> effects, but for against the TV stuff and, you know, TV movies and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. These graphics are better than yeah. others. But for, I guess, before we talk more and more into it and, and whatnot, John, why are we talking the Ewok adventure? So I actually have a very distinct memory of watching this movie. And I was thinking about it the other day about where did I see this movie? Because I remember watching it like several times. And I think I finally figured out where we saw it. And maybe more I saw it than you saw it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was one of the films they showed us at Country Corner, the daycare center, when it was like a rainy day when we couldn't go outside. Uh Because I remember watching this movie quite a bit. And they had a habit of just replaying. Yeah the same movies over and over again whenever we were stuck in stuck inside because it was raining. Yeah, the one the one for me that specifically hits with Country Corner is um, Land Before Time, and I think we actually yeah. kind of mentioned that uh, on that one. We talked that one way back. Uh, so, okay, very cool. So this, like this definitely would have been the early days because we, 
we I went th- I went to this place Country Corner pretty much through the entirety of when I was in school in elementary school from kindergarten through fifth grade for most of that anyway. Uh, Adam, you were really pretty little mm-hmm. when we started, and then by the time I, I forget how old you were when we moved away uh, from coming, um, but you were still pretty young. Uh, yeah, I it was uh, I did. Up to first grade, including first grade and coming, and then second grade was when we moved to Alpharetta. Okay, so yeah, so you were still pretty young. So I definitely remember this from a little bit of an older kid age to the point where I could, that's why I have that memory. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we have Country Corner to blame for this specific episode. (laughs) Damn you, Country Corner. Uh, Okay, no. Um, This film was directed by John Cordy who has done a lot of TV movies that I didn't really recognize, but he also did some episodes of Sesame Street. Which okay. I think kind of makes sense. Yeah. I do recognize that. So this film was written by George Lucas and also written by Bob Carew. Bob Carew hadn't had any real writing credits on his, um, you know, on what he had done before. But he was actually, at the time, the nanny to George Lucas's children. <laughs> and so I guess that's how he had an in. George Lucas hired him to write this, to write this, uh, to, you know, teleplay, oh, God. screenplay. Very weird. Uh, so yeah, it's his first credit. He did end up writing episodes of the Ewoks cartoon, uh, so he has that tie-in to our other stuff. He also wrote episodes of Tiny Toons, Dragon Tales, and then um, a show that I didn't think was great, but the theme song I thought was great, The Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Comet breeze, the mesa to the western skies With the sound of a thousand cattle drive A chosen few would see the light And find the wrong with right up on the mesa, high above the clouds, there's a world apart from all the rest. On the mesa, live the real cowboys, standing up for law and order, and living by the code of the West. And I just bringing that up so I can drop in the uh, the theme song because I fucking love the theme song. Uh, besides that, the the show is whatever. Uh, music is done by Peter Bernstein. He did quite a bit of music for television shows, the TV shows for Weird Science, uh, 21 Jump Street, plenty of other stuff. Um, he's fine. Actually, and the music to me was was a totally decent part of the film. It was fine. The music was fine. I mean, yeah. he, he, he kind of, I think he captured relatively the style of what John Williams did and, and incorporated in here. I had no problems with the music. Yeah. Yep. All right. And the production design was done by Joe Johnston, uh, who we actually talked about before because he directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm. He directed The Rocketeer, Jumanji, the first Captain America movie. Um, He did also work on visual effects for the original Star Wars trilogy and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Cool. So, yeah, big name there. All right, the cast for this film. Uh, Wicket is played by Warwick Davis, who is one of the most preeminent little person actors, but just Awesome actor in general, of course. Yeah. Most people would recognize him from uh, the Leprechaun franchise, uh, Harry Potter franchise, yeah. Willow as well. He is Willow. Uh, Mace is played by Eric Walker. He was in the sequel and not really anything else recognizable. Yeah. Uh, the girl, I didn't even look up the girl, well, Sindel, um, she literally was just in this and Battle for Endor, Endor and that's it. Yeah, that was it. The mother, Katarine, was played by Fianula Flanagan. Tons of smaller parts on stuff. I actually don't know why I kept her in to talk about her because she's just, <laughs> just tons of little things. Uh, the narrator is done by is Burl Ives, who you recognize as the kind of the narrator from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and yeah. the Snowman. 
<laughs> Immediately, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be a Christmas movie <laughs> in my head. Well, uh, apparently the original concept and title was was a Ewok, a holiday special. Oh, wow. And then when the other holiday special was crap, they decided to... Well, well, the other holiday special came out in the 70s. 78, yeah. So, so okay. I, I I don't know if maybe maybe they decided that there was too much of a tie to that one, that they didn't want to mm-hmm. jinx it that way. Um, also, maybe they decided not to release it at Christmas. I mean, the 25th, that's pretty close. A month out, yeah. I think, is, is probably a good enough time. That's probably right after Thanksgiving or very close to it yep. to start doing Christmas stuff. So... Who, I, I don't know why they made the change, but I can I can guarantee you this. As soon as I was listening to it, I looked over my wife and I'm like, am I going to hear silver and gold? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I want to just call out um, two other little person actors who are awesome and you would recognize. Uh, the character of Weechi, I don't know, one of the other Ewoks, uh, was played by Debbie Carrington, who, mm. John, I bet you would probably recognize as uh, a prostitute in the Total Recall movie. Yeah, she's a great actress. Yep, yep. And very similarly, Whittle is played by Tony Cox, who I think a lot of people recognize from the movie Bad Santa. Yeah. He was in that one with um, Billy Bob Thornton. So So that is it. Uh, And I will mention, uh, because I kind of didn't really say, I don't really, I didn't remember this movie. So John has distinct memories of watching it. And Mm -hmm. if I did, maybe I wasn't paying attention because I didn't have a lot of those nostalgic feels for this one. And even when I rewatched it, isn't something where I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm remembering these things. So. Although I will say I did, and not only did I, my wife did as well. Okay, she had good. a lot. She remembered certain parts that came up. She was like, "Oh God, I know what happens next. I know what happened." <laughs> like she, she had a distinct memory of watching this. Nice. All right, so we start things off. Uh, the narrator is setting stuff up. We see that a family had crashed onto this, you know, random planet, but they've lost their kids. The kids didn't stay by the ship, uh, and then in comes this huge, scary beast. Uh oh. That's bad. Yeah. All right. Then we get the title card. They get the movie going. We see this village and we see Wicket as the narrator tells us about Wicket's brothers. This other Ewok's sons are also lost. So we just kind of see Wicket playing around the village in general. His father, Deej, takes a glider and goes searching searching for the sons. And he does notice like the down ship, something gleaming. And so that'll kind of lead us to uh, what's what they're going to do next. But he... He doesn't stop at that moment. He does find his sons on a cliffside, and he kind of helps return them to safety. And so they then go by this object that Deej spotted, which was, of course, the ship. Uh, There they find Sindel, the girl, uh, a human girl, just kind of hiding and crying. Then in comes Mace with a blaster. Get your hands off her! No, Mace, no! Be quiet, Sindel. They weren't hurting me. These might be the guys who have mom and dad. I think they want to be our friends. Get your hands over now! And Mace is a fucking asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Holy he is. Holy shit. Like, he is immediately, like, pointing against them. Just, like, Ewoks are not scary creatures. And not do you look at them and think immediately, oh, God, they're attacking me. You think, oh, my God, I want to hug one. Um, <laughs> but he, he's got his blaster at the ready. Uh, but they end up overpowering him. And take his blaster from him. Uh, they end up taking the kids to their village. And Wicket very quickly. Because we you remember Wicket from Return of the Jedi. He is very mm-hmm. friendly. Innocent, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Even for like the Ewok standards. And so he kind of befriends Sindel. And, and what I didn't mention is this story takes place before, I think, right? Before the, yeah. the, the star, Be- Return of the Jedi? Before Return of the Jedi, yeah. Yep. Okay. 
We notice Sindel is sick. She lets us know that she's not feeling very good. She ends up passing out and the Ewoks give some medicine to help. You know, we also get Mace just struggling to communicate with them. Him just yelling. Just so you know, (laughs) we've both been to some foreign countries before and some ones where they don't speak English. Yeah. When you just say things slower and louder, that doesn't help. (laughs) You have to kind of use your body points, do some things. When you just, you know, saying, she's sick, give her medicine. And they're like, what, what? And you're like, she's sick, give her medicine. (laughs) That doesn't help. (laughs) Mace is a fucking tool. He is. I I wanted him to die pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) Like very quickly, I was hoping that, you know, this Gorax was just going to come bite his fucking head off. So I also think they made him look a little too close to Luke Skywalker. Yes. Well, they had him in like that, uh, you know, like the Rebels flight suit as well. Yeah. Why? I don't know. The parents weren't in that. Like, why did he have one? Yeah, I, I don't know. He's a kid. You don't think they're going to be selling Rebels flight suits as like <laughs> Halloween costumes for the kids going around, you know, because they're in a real legit fucking war with the Imperials. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, oh yeah, but they, uh, so they need to get some more medicine. Uh, so they kind of head out to go get more. Um, while doing so, Mace nearly gets his arm eaten off in a, in a tree, which I was hoping, yes, bite that fucker off. But <laughs> so that one, just, I actually have a very distinct memory of because I remember that scene scaring me when I was a little kid. Oh, okay. Because it, it seems, you know, kind of sweet, whatever you're looking at. And then the thing that comes out of it, I mean, it's clearly a puppet, but the thing that yep. comes out of it does not look, you know, sweet and cute. And actually it was funny because I, as we got, to, we got to that point in the scene, I was like, oh, here it comes. Immediately my wife was like, oh my God, I know what happened. I know what, like, she was like, <laughs> she was actually like anxious, even though we knew mm. it was going to come and it really wasn't going to look bad. She was still anxious because she had that memory of how she felt when she saw it as a kid. Interesting, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, the tree creature, whatever it is, has, like, a cute little thing that it entices people in, and he wanted to get it, and then once they've stuck their hand in, it bites his hand and, you know, won't let go and whatever. Mm-hmm. That is funny. Uh, they do end up finding more medicine, and so they bring that back, and Sindel starts feeling better. Yay. And then we see her playing with a ferret. Okay. They have <laughs> ferrets on Endor? Where the fuck did this come from? Because every other creature on the entire planet is its own thing, and then here's a ferret. Yes, there were also llamas. Oh, noticed. yeah, you're right. <laughs> there were llamas. You're right. So, um, yeah, we see uh, Sindel and Wicket kind of playing with one, one another, you know, that next morning just in general, kind of forming their bond. Mace, of course, wants to get out. He wants to get back to the ship. And he says he once he gets his gun back, because they've still kind of kept it from him, uh, they're going to leave. Uh, so, while everyone is asleep, Mace sneaks to uh, go get his blaster. And so he does so, and he and Sindel head out. Um, they attempt to head back to the ship, but Sindel gets scared, so they have to kind of camp where they're at. But when they do, this hideous rat creature thing comes out and chases them, and it almost gets them. Uh, but at the last second, with uh, without explanation, it just kind of goes away. Yeah, I actually this also was another scene I remembered as a kid, and I I think I remember being kind of scared of it because you remember I would say, oh, God, this probably would have been like maybe eighty six, eighty seven. Uh-huh. Maybe 88 when I saw this at Country Corner. And so, you know, to me, it, the animal looked terrifying. 
It's a, it's a good looking puppet. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the CG of it in the forest is not all great. The uh, a lot of it was the clock, you know, coming into the the hole. Yes. Yeah. So they run into a hole and they're just like kind of you know hold up in there and just literally they have a shot where the paw is coming at them and then all of a sudden it just goes away. Yeah, that part I never understood because like I was expecting it to be like, oh, the the Ewoks were there. Yep. And it is kind of what happened, but it's not until the morning that that happens. Yes, exactly. They, they fall asleep, and then the next day in the morning, the Ewoks are fighting the beast. So what the fuck happened? I don't know. Like, were they but, fighting them all night? Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Here's also another thing that I had a problem with, was we distinctively see when Mace and them, or Mace and Sindel run into the tree, he, his gun gets kind of stuck, and it's dropped right outside the tree. Right. Literally right outside the tree. And so the entire time when the Ewoks are fighting the beast, I'm like, Mace, your gun's right fucking there. Wherever <laughs> it is, just grab it and shoot the beast, and then you're fucking done. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Ewoks moved it, or maybe the beast accidentally swiped it away or something. I'm not sure. I, I said the exact same thing to the television. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, grab your gun. <laughs> exactly. Because, uh, yeah, the, the Ewoks had it fully distracted, but I yeah. don't know. So... Uh, Mace does find his father's life monitor kind of on this dead beast that was there. So it's kind of motivating him to find them. The Ewoks take Mace uh, to the village mystic guy to help them find his parents. Uh, and in this kind of spinning top vision tool that they've got, uh, they see their their parents being held captive by this really big scary monster. There's a lot more magic in this movie than I remember yes. there being in the Star Wars episode. Like, yeah. the, fourth, the Force notwithstanding. And the first thing in, in my head is, so this is a big, scary creature that doesn't have too much intelligence. Why is it holding them captive? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. He There is no, there is literally no reason to it. He should have eaten them uh, a long time ago. Yeah. But we also see a scene where the Ewoks kind of, speak English they're talking they're talking with Mace and like not like fully but they say like they're just repeating back to him what they're saying yeah repeating back but but th- at first they're repeating back to him and then it's like they're saying some words that they never fucking even heard or at least we saw them here um, <laughs> that they're gonna help him and shit like that he walks let the kids know that they are going to to help reunite the kids with the parent with their parents so the next day they prep for this journey um, and this mystic Ewok Gives them all, you know, something special and specific to them, kind of, uh, that each person needs to do to, uh, that, they, that they will need for the journey. And Mace gets a fucking rock. Just a goddamn rock. <laughs> and he tosses it aside because he's a spoiled, stubborn little prick. Yeah. But Wicket, of course, you know, because Wicket's awesome and nice and sweet. He ends up picking up the rock, thankfully. Um, but they all end up heading out. So uh, they meet an Ewok that's chopping down a tree nearly kills them you think he would pay attention <laughs> to where you're chopping down his tree uh but yeah so they have to they end up convincing him to join them yeah i like how mace who thinks he's such a fucking badass uh throws an uh a throwing axe but he throws his and it is even better yeah. kind of like on on the handle of his so it's like oh yeah damn he's kind of like the big warrior and type he, and he changes his tune really fast when he does that too <laughs> It's like, are you a warrior? Well, we need you on our team. Like, he just, yeah, and he flips. (laughs) He does. He does. So because because Mace kind of, you know, kind of bitches out a little bit or kind of uh, changes his tune, then the uh, warrior guy decides to come. So uh, then they also get this kind of magical Ewok 
who it's got like this, you know, it's got the crystal that they give him to to use magic stuff. And he can kind of do anything with his magic, which I thought was kind of strange. Like he could, one, we'll see, kind of he hypnotizes a spider. Uh, he can do a lot of weird stuff. So, uh, but yeah, so they get him as well. So now the caravan is complete. This caravan of courage, if you will, John. <laughs> Lame. Yeah. Uh, so Mace, Mace, while just looking at some water, all of a sudden becomes trapped under the water. This is a, some of that weird magic stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's now it's some booby trap or something. He was looking at the water, and now he's under it, and he can't get out. Don't know why. Um, none of the things seem to be able to go into the water to, to help pull him up. Um, but Wicket got a magic little walking stick. Okay, <laughs> so he uses the, the magic walking stick to pull him up. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> I remember... I remember that scene giving me anxiety as a kid because, like, fear of drowning is a real thing. Oh, yeah. That's a scary fucking way to go. It's not a way I want to go. Yeah. But uh, this time I was like, why, why is he going? Like, he just he just can't help himself. He's constantly sticking his hands in places and yes. touching things. And then he's the one, like, complaining about everything. Yeah, very true. Yeah. he's he is. They have to rescue him multiple times, and it's because of his own fault. You're right. <laughs> The next kind of wild thing that happens, uh, Sindel gets on a runaway horse. The uh, hunter Ewok has to go and rescue her, and he does, and he goes and stops it. Okay, that was good. That really had nothing to do with anything other. <laughs> just another little hiccup in their journey, I guess. Yeah. So at night, uh, Mace Mace basically sees Tinkerbell <laughs> and following, like the little light creatures, yeah. which actually I do see these light creatures again in the cartoon because I watched episode one uh-huh. and I think they're the same kind of creatures. They're at least like it or they call them like fire creatures yeah. or whatever in that one. I don't know if it's the same here, but they're basically like lightning bugs, but but really Tinkerbell yeah. without her magic or whatever. They're just lighting magic. And at first it seems kind of cool and cute and then it becomes fucking maddening and they're all super annoying uh, all around the big, big nuisance. But Sindel, who has this light candle or whatever, it's a, well, it's a magic magic light candle, whatever the hell they said, yeah. and she t- puts that on, and it traps these light bugs. All but one. One is left out, and Mace decides to befriend it and keep it or something. Somehow. Somehow, yeah. I don't know why that one didn't get yeah. trapped into the candle. That was also right there, just the same distance as all the others. Because, coincidence, I don't know, because this not does not have good writing. Also, with that lightning bug... They have a cutie little patootie tickle fight in their tent. Isn't that adorable, John? No. no. I, this was like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, they're, yes, we know that the holiday special and this, especially this, because Ewoks are very much made for marketing to kids. Yeah. Without question. And so this movie is pandering to kids. Obviously, you have kid leads and, you know, they're just, cute little teddy bears and here's a little tickle fight scene for no other fucking reason other than it tickles. I, I hated that. <laughs> I fucking hated it. So, yeah. all right, they continue on their journey in this dangerous area of acid pools and dry lakes and then we don't see them at once deal with an acid pool or the dry lakes or any of that kind of stuff. They specifically said, oh yes, we're entering this super dangerous area but they get to the forbidden fortress of the Gorax. Okay. Um, and this is the creature that has their parents. So, they now need uh, his rock to get in, apparently. That's the thing that'll get him in, and he didn't have it. And as opposed to having any consequences, uh, Wicket just has it and saves it and gives it to him. Okay. And then he opens up the rock, and there's a little arrowhead inside. Why the fuck didn't they just give him the goddamn arrowhead? 
<laughs> it doesn't make any sense it why it needs to be in a rock. It doesn't. No. Like, it is literally just there to piss him off. And it's not It's not really like a... Prote- I, I. It's just it's weird, lazy writing. Yeah. And then that's even more lazy because, like, Wicked just had it and there was, there was nothing. It's like, okay, there's really no... I guess I guess all it did was it continued us thinking that Mace was a little prick, a little a little brat. And you know what? I guess but we already had I already had plenty of evidence of that. Yeah. I didn't need <laughs> yeah, him we throwing didn't, away a we rock. We didn't need that. We saw that right out of the gate actually. Yes. So, anyway, this uh arrowhead kind of like moves on its own and and shows them the location of uh how to get into this uh fortress. But it apparently is right behind this big ass rock, which Mace has to use his blaster, and he blasts open the rock. And I've never seen a blaster do that in the <laughs> Star Wars universe before. Yeah, but anyway, he blows it up, uh, and they go inside. Sindel and Wicket uh, and uh, one of the other Ewoks kind of stay back um, while the rest prep up and go into this fortress. So they climb across this spider web at one point because there's like this big cavern. Kind of spot, you know. It reminded me of um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, where you have to throw the sand to yeah. kind of see that there is an invisible bridge. I yeah. thought there was going to be something like that, but instead they had these big spider webs that they were crawling across. And of course, like one little spider goes down, but then a big spider comes down. That big spider was one of the worst fucking puppets of the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. It looked terrible, and you could see the strings. Like you could see, legitimately see, like the the fish, uh, um, fishing line strings or whatever that they was holding up with it and maneuvering with it. Yeah, that it, it just it looked like a joke. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really bad. Yeah, but they end up careening this thing off the side of the, the down the cavern. They because they cut off the the spider web and it it all kind of falls down. And immediately, my head is, how the fuck are they going to get back? <laughs> My wife's yelled that at the TV, actually. Yes! I mean, but luckily, at least, you know, to the writer's point, that is something that's going to come back. Yeah. I, I thought they weren't going to address it at all, and I was just, I was scared. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a fucking <laughs> terrible thing. Also, I, I thought it found it really weird that they only had to cut one string <laughs> to to knock down the entire spider web. That had many points of contact yeah, with the wall. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was even kind of weirder. So you had this whole top-down shot of the big spider that falls down, you know, this cavern that you're just going to assume, you know, it's definitely going to die. But in, like, this next scene, we see that big-ass spider attacking Wicket and Sindel and Wicket's older brother. And so they had, but they do kill it. Yeah. But it's like, what the fuck? I w- in my head, I was trying to figure out if that was supposed to be a separate spider or if it was supposed oh. to be that same one. Oh, maybe. So. I mean, in my head, I absolutely connected it well they to did nothing to make it look different so true <laughs> so uh all right uh mace and them uh see the gorax and he's holding the parents in the cage for no fucking reason what are your thoughts on the actual look of the gorax <sighs> for 1984 it wasn't it wasn't horrible mm-hmm. i mean i to me i, I you know on the forest moon of endor First, first of all, it's the forest moon. Why is there like a like an acid pool area? Yeah, true. Uh, in, in a world where all planets have one geographical <laughs> feature, that seemed a little bit weird. I didn't necessarily mind the look of the Gora. I mean, he looked like a troll. He looked like the troll from Willow. Oh, okay. That you see like uh, in towards the end when he's um, when they're in that castle and the troll. Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally looks like the same 
Yeah, costume. slightly different face. Uh, the snap, the kind of the face feel felt a little scrunched and like a small, tiny snout. Yeah, he did a little thing. bit of snout. Like, honestly, that part didn't necessarily bother me as much. Okay. Yeah. My issues were the eyes were super visible and obviously human. Yeah. That was really the only thing. But you're right. The rest of it was fine. Like the kind of weird face scrunch thing was a bit off, but really not not the worst thing. Yeah. So, and then I think they did a pretty good job of like using either blue or green screen or however they were doing it um, to show how massive it was in comparison to them. That didn't look too bad. Right. Yeah. So one of the, uh, one of Wicket's brothers who got a headdress, I can't remember, like the headdress of courage or something like that goes and decides to distract the Gorak. So it's kind of, he's kind of running around and while the Gorak is chasing him into different parts of the cave system uh, while they go up and get the parents. I have fucking questions about this part. Yes. Okay. The first thing he says is, I need to find a way to get my parents down. And instead of getting the parents down, his thought is, I'm going to catapult myself up. And so they catapult him up into the cage. Uh, but I guess that's where he lowers a rope or whatnot. But Yeah, but was it, he carrying the rope or was the rope already I, there? <laughs> I don't know. We didn't see him carry the rope. And they could have easily just thrown the rope up. Use like the strong, you know, Ewok guy. Right. Throw up the rope and have them tie it off into something and carry down. That would have been faster. It uh, would have been much easier. But instead, yeah, they did this whole catapult thing with the uh, Gorax's axe thing. So, Well, what I don't understand is, so he goes up, they throw down the rope. They have the Ewok climb up, only for the other guy to just immediately climb back down. What the <laughs> fuck was the point of any of that? <laughs> You're right. You're right. So they had Mace go up there, then he tied off the rope or held the rope or whatever while the strong guy went up there to hold the rope for them or they could have just fucking tied the rope off, throw the rope up to the yeah. parents, tie the rope off. Well, and, and, and like he didn't even like slide down the rope or climb down the rope. They had to like lower him in the rope. Yeah, true. You're right. They did that. Yes, he did. He was like, lowered. And it wasted yeah. so much time. <laughs> did. So uh, everybody does get down from the cage, but the Gorax comes in, you know, right back at that moment. So, of course, they have to run uh, and they end up getting kind of stuck between the Gorax and the big cavern area. And there is no way to get across. Okay, good. That came back. That's decent writing. Mm -hmm. For a babysitter. For a babysitter. (laughs) For a nanny. That's okay. Uh, The mace then uh, unleashes his lightning bug, his light bug creature, whatever it was, to just try to annoy and distract the Gorak some more, which uh, ends up causing rocks to fall down and crush the hunter Ewok, uh, which really sucks because that guy dies. I actually wasn't expecting any of the Ewoks to die. Yeah, I didn't remember that one of them died. I mean, and, and that one... I mean, not to say that it really hit me very hard, but like yeah. it was kind of sad because I mean he was sacrificing himself essentially. He exactly he was handing Mace his his throwing axe, um, and just kind of like saying, "Hey, take this, get your family." I mean, obviously he wasn't saying that; he was saying that you know, I guess in Ewok terms. But he seemed like one of the most useful Ewoks that they had. Yeah, and he is the one that died. Yeah, thanks to Mace. Yeah. <laughs> so their plan is to trip up the. Uh, Gorax with uh, some rope and I think hope that that he'll kind of like fall down the cavern or whatnot. So that's what they do. And we see, so that's, they, they, they trip him up and then the magical Ewok loosens up a stalactite, which falls on top of the Gorax. Uh, it really only just pisses him off. <laughs> and um, then the, the mother ends up shooting the Gorax with the blaster and it falls down the cavern. Yeah. Allegedly. 
allegedly. I had pro- Miles. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying. Okay. <laughs> I had problems with the fact that the Gorax is at the top of the stairs. He sees the people at the bottom of the stairs. He starts coming <laughs> down. Yet somehow he doesn't notice that they spend all this time because it took him a while to run this rope across. And it wasn't like they put it on the ground and then like tried to put it up just as he was walking. It was just sitting there. Yes. And he didn't notice and walked no, right into it. My issue uh, was that they, I feel like multiple times throughout the film, they kind of established that there's not much more juice left in this blaster gun uh-huh. or that it sometimes is working, sometimes is not. But like whenever they needed it to work, it worked just fine. <laughs> when when uh, There was a point when, he, when uh, Mace was trying to shoot it and it like looked like it jammed. And I was uh-huh. like, it's a fucking laser gun. What is there to jam? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have like exactly those uh, moving not, yeah, parts. Yeah, it doesn't have like the moving that. part to, ju- you know, there's nothing to get caught. It's a fucking laser gun. All right. So the Gorax fell down this cavern, apparently. So, and the first thing that I thought in my head was, okay, if that big ass spider survived that, the Gorax is going to survive that and then go after Sindel and Wicket <laughs> in them immediately. Uh, that's kind of what I thought in my head. But. Instead, we do see that uh, Sindel and Wicket appear, and the other one appear up because I guess they're coming. I don't know. They just happen to kind of go on the... So they're on the other side of the cavern yeah. right now. And, oh, shit, the Gorax has climbed back up or didn't fall that far or something. Even though we saw him fall very far, <laughs> yes. he's now immediately all of a sudden right there and has climbed back up, uh, which is very strange. And so to make him fall again... Mace uses his throwing axe that he was just given by the dying Ewok, and now the Gorax actually falls. Yay. Hey. And they they swing across with this spider rope, you know, that they happen to find. Yeah. I don't know. There was a spider web that just happened to be perfectly there that could reach the other side. Woo, that's convenient. And they go back to the cel- to the village for some celebration, and we end up with a small kind of freeze frame on Sindel. And that was extremely quick because this was only like a 90-minute film and there is not much to it. Yeah. Um, I I didn't have the nostalgia value that you did, so I'm going to just kind of go and, and say uh, my thoughts. Right off the bat, I want to say this is not the worst thing we've watched, <laughs> so we don't need to put the comparison to some of our other shit ones. Okay. I liked it better than Supergirl. I liked it better than Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. But it's not good. I mean, it is the, the nostalgia for Star Wars helps some of this yeah. just in general. And Wicket is, you know, cute. He's, you know, it's fun to see that. But the acting is really the bad part. Oh here. my god, it's so bad. The writing, the writing was not good, but the acting, Mace's acting is terrible. Sindel, I'll give her a pass. She is younger and she did fine. Yeah. But even the parents were bad. Like, it's shit. It's utter shit with that stuff. So yeah, I and besides that. It was really slow. It was really boring. Yeah. Like I had I had problems staying awake. I was legitimately <laughs> like almost dozing off. And so I don't think I put as much detail in my notes because well, granted, there wasn't much detail needed because there just yeah. wasn't much going on. Yeah, this was this was such a slow, boring fucking film. I for me, do not watch it, people, at all. Yeah. So I mean this strictly had the uh the nostalgia for me, which is the whole reason why I put it on this list. I agree. Like this, this could have been cut down to a one-hour special. Absolutely, maybe even a thirty-minute special. 
depending which cut out. But at the very least, like a one-hour special. Cut. There's a lot of extenuous stuff that just could have been out. It was very slow. Uh, the acting was very bad. In fact, at the end of the movie, uh, we did make both of our kids watch it with us. Yeah. And they kind of got into it because I mean, my both my kids are into Star Wars. My daughter like liked the Ewoks. They were cute. My you know my son really liked Star Wars. At the end of it, my son turned to me. He was like, "Mace is stupid." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, is. Smart. smart boy there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it is not great. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be great. But since this is kind of the – this is the end of the May the 4th week, um, mm-hmm. I figured it was, it was you know, apropos of us doing something Star Wars, but I didn't want to do something expected. So I wanted to – I figured I had a, such a nostalgic tie to this, and they had just put it on Disney+. Plus. So I was like, you know what? This is mm-hmm. perfect. Let's do this here. I I know I knew you weren't gonna like it. I knew I wasn't even really gonna enjoy talking about it, but I figured let's do it. It's probably not gonna be one of the things that people talk about the most. So it it, it was fun yeah. to go revisit. I did have fun remembering the movie as I went along. Okay, well that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you got something out of it. Yeah. Well, now let's see if uh, there's anything that is better with the animated series that came out after it. All right, the Ewoks animated show. It aired from uh, 85 to, to 1986. It had two seasons, 26 episodes. Um, and it actually originally aired on ABC with its sister series, Droids, that not, not a lot of people remember, but there mm-hmm. was a Droids cartoon as well. Yeah. This show was produced by Nelvana Animation Co- uh, Company, which most people, I think, recognize their logo. It's one with the polar bear and the star. Oh, okay. Yeah. They did uh, also did the animation for... You know, the portion of the holiday special, uh, the Boba Fett portion. Oh, okay. Um, their biggest hit was actually the 80s show Care Bears, uh, but they also did droids and a bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. too. Uh, in the show, this cartoon, I wouldn't say, well, I'll say, talking about the animation, I don't think the animation holds up very well. It's pretty piss-poor animation. It is. I mean, it's very standard for 80s stuff. I was It, it very much reminded me of, like, the filmation yeah. style of stuff. Just looking at it, even like just looking at stills of it, I was like, I'm not really going to enjoy <laughs> exactly. watching this per se. No. So, all right. The um, the series focuses on, I guess, the quote unquote adventures of uh, Wicket and his friends uh, on Endor, uh, set before the events of the original Star Wars film. It says set, yeah, I guess before or around Caravan of Courage times. Mm-hmm. Unlike. The Ewok films, where you're getting human characters and the Ewoks speaking Ewokese. Yes, mm-hmm. that is what it's called, yep. Ewokese. Um, in this show, which obviously makes sense as a cartoon, they're speaking English the entire time. Right. So it's kind of it's also kind of strange because they interact very perfectly with human characters and just speaking <laughs> English back and forth. And it's just like, okay, if this was ever considered canon, even back then, people had to think back and be like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it was ever really considered canon. It was just a, a money yeah. grab. Yes. Sure. I mean, just it's it's legitimately, it, it absolutely watching it made me real think like, oh, wow, this is just trying to sell little cute Ewok toys or get some of that, you know, Saturday morning Ewok cereal money or any of that kind of shit mm-hmm. if they had that. Or, you know, it, it was absolutely a money grab for for kids cartoons. So yeah. the series was mostly written by Bob Carew, who we had talked about in the last one, the, the nanny. <laughs> uh, but it was <laughs> also written about as many times as uh, Paul Dini, who Paul Dini we talked about uh, with Batman the Animated Series. 
And he also wrote Batman Beyond. He created the character of Holly, Harley Quinn. Uh, Paul Dini is a really good writer in like the comics world and, and, uh, uh, and particularly, you know, the um, animated comics stuff. So, wow. Uh, the cast, uh, I'm not going to get into too many of them because actually they kind of split characters quite a bit. Like between seasons one and two, they ended up uh-huh. having different actors. Uh, but I'll say the main character, Wicket, was first uh, voiced by Jim Henshaw in the first season, um, who was uh, on Care Bears. He also voiced for that. But then in season two, Wicket is voiced by Denny Delk. John, do you remember if we mentioned Denny Delk ever before? I think we did. Uh, I'm not sure. The name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. You don't recognize the name, but you absolutely recognize the voice, particularly as the uh, the evil uh, separated head in the Monkey Island series, Murray. Oh. He, he was the voice of Murray. Murray. You may call me Murray. I am a powerful demonic force. I am the harbinger of your doom. And the forces of darkness will applaud me as I stride through the gates of hell, carrying your head on a pike. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, other people who I'm just going to mention, Cree Summer. We've mentioned her plenty of times. Um, Big name. She was in Mummies Alive, uh, Elmira in the Tiny Toons Adventures, Penny from Inspector Gadget is maybe her biggest role ever. Uh, and then I also wanted yeah. to bring up another voice was uh, George Buza, who we all recognize as Beast from the X-Men animated series. Oh, great. Did great a voice, voice in, actor. for yeah, another one of the um, Ewoks. I can't remember which, so... So, yeah, the one thing with the show, you see a lot of different creatures from Endor and other stuff like that, including uh, the Dulocs, which is one of the main villains, kind of like a, they're like a rival species to the Ewoks, but also kind of related to them. Their other main antagonist was Morag the Witch. I guess I just want to ask you, so did you watch this show at all? No, I had actually no memory okay. of this show. Um, I the only reason I put it on here is I figured since we're doing Star Wars and this is kind of tied to mm-hmm. uh, the Ewok adventure, this would be a good one to talk about because there probably are people out there who did watch this cartoon yeah. when they were a kid. So this one I actually have zero nostalgic tie for because I have no yeah. memory of it. Yeah, I, I'm with you as well. I never watched this show. Um, I knew of it. I knew there was an animated Ewok show, but I certainly didn't watch it. Watching the show season one, that theme song. We are The theme song is straight up fucking terrible and, and fucking boring. <laughs> like, I don't know if you paid that much attention to it, but it's really bad. In season two, I thought maybe because they changed up the theme song, it got uh-huh. marginally better, but still a bowl of flaming hot turd. <laughs> And you, you, you compare it in the 80s to that time, and you're getting some awesome 
stuff in like 85, 86. You're getting Thundercats. You're getting yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think, at that time. You're getting great theme songs. Yeah. And then this is, this is just a steaming bowl of awful. So I watched two episodes for this. What about you? I barely made it through one. Okay. Do you know uh, which one did you watch? The first? The first one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's awful. Um, yeah. I only ended up watching a second one because I was reading on Wikipedia. It says uh, the penultimate episode, Battle for the Sun Star, which was re-aired as the series finale later, um, shows the Ewok heroes leaving the forest moon surface as they go aboard an Imperial Star Destroyer that has traveled into their system. An Imperial scientist attempts to destroy the Emperor uh, whose shuttle makes an appearance. So the shuttle makes an appearance, not the Emperor. Right. And it kind of adds a nice little connection to the Imperial interest on the moon. So it, that's that's the only reason I watched it. It's like, okay, they're tying it into the bigger universe of here's the actual or the Empire coming in, being around them. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they end up using Endor for a, a station to house a, uh, a shield for the second Death Star. Right. So I only watched that one because uh, I honestly, I was, I didn't read it enough to be like, oh, the shuttle makes an appearance. I was hoping the Emperor makes an appearance. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the villain was whatever, just kind of like a, a scientist who was looking for some specific magic thing on Endor that would make him more powerful and he could kill the emperor and become the emperor himself and so that that was okay i would say yes that was that was nice to have uh, a tie-in to the rest of the star wars that i like so mm-hmm. um i talked the first of my final thoughts on the movie before how about you tell us first your thoughts on ewoks i mean it, it was bad it was bad i didn't enjoy it i didn't i figured they were gonna end up speaking english but to me that just it seems weird having them do that i mean i know it's a cartoon um, but I, I already have this sort of nostalgic tie and this this really just this tie to the Ewoks and how in my head they should sound. Having a cartoon where they just speak English, you know, obviously they're not speaking, you know, in their, they're speaking in their language, but we're understanding it as English, however you want to spend that. To me, uh-huh. it's still not the same. It was just bad. It was yeah. really bad. I'm, I'm kind of sorry that I made <laughs> us talk about it. You should be. You should be <laughs> sorry. Yeah, this show is, it's really childish. It's basic even as, kids shows standard go yeah so i you didn't show it to your kids did you no no they would have hated it they would have hated it uh, or been really disinterested just like us so Mm -hmm. i can absolutely see why this one didn't catch on Uh, i do want to mention for some fucking reason we all know what wicked wicked looks like in the first season wicked looked enough like wicked Mm -hmm. um and he had like the orange kind of hood on in season two they changed it to a green hood weird that's not what wicked wears yeah not in any of the movies, not even in season, like, why the fuck did they change that? I don't know. I don't know. It's really nothing. dumb. Yeah. It's, it's, as, it's as about as smart as everything else on this show, which is just <laughs> pathetic. So, yeah. Do not watch it. It's, it's awful. So, now that we got that through, let's piss everybody off. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Come with us now to the green moon of Endor, where the Ewoks are celebrating because Earth kids love their Ewok family hut. We can help the Chocolate Skywalker. Hurry, Ewoks. Let's take the wagon, Princess Nisa. The Ewoks save the day. It's a galaxy of fun. The Ewok Family Hut comes with everything you see here. A Wicked the Ewok toy, new from Kenner. 
All right, and now it's time for the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, whether you fucking want it or not, we are recasting <laughs> Star Wars A New Hope. Woo. We initially just thought maybe just Star Wars in general, but I was like, you know what? No, no, no. Let's focus on one movie and let's redo that one. And so we're going to recast A New Hope. So just characters from that particular film. Obviously, we are going to do Luke and Leia, Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, Han Solo, C-3PO. I didn't bother with R2-D2 because he's just a little tin can. Yeah. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Wedge Antilles. I, who I believe makes an appearance in the movie. I couldn't remember if he did or not. I just threw him on the list. <laughs> he just wanted somebody different. Yeah, I just wanted somebody extra. Um, I'm pretty sure he does actually make an appearance. Um, he does. And I'll, I'm, yeah, I think so. I'll talk about why I put him on there. Well, I, we'll probably start with him, so I'll talk about him first. So Wedge Antilles is one of the pilots mm-hmm. uh, on the run to the Death Star. He's a, uh, I think he's on the Red... I can't remember if he's on Red, Red Squadron or not. But... In my version of the Star Wars universe, which is pre-Disney, before they decided to make all these books and everything, you know, the legends or whatever the hell they call it. I don't know. It pissed me off. Uh, Wedge becomes pretty much the preeminent X-Wing pilot in all of the Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, And he runs a squadron of X-Wings called Rogue Squadron. And so there are several books that are based on Rogue Squadron, and he's kind of the big guy. So I wanted to cast him with the intent that he would eventually get a Rogue Squadron spinoff, which I believe there is one coming. Yes, there is, and it's apparently being written by Patty Jenkins, who wrote uh, Wonder <sighs> Woman 84 and directed that one, obviously. Yeah. She also directed the first one, but I don't think she wrote the first one. I think she just directed it, Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That's scared. Yeah. Hold well, me, hold me, John. I'm scared. Yeah. So I wanted an actor who, you know, even though he's going to make a brief appearance here, who could carry a, a film or a TV series based on Rogue Squadron. And since I'm already talking about it, I'll jump in. I initially wanted to go with someone a little bit younger because I, I, I almost had to re- remind myself that all these characters in this movie are a lot younger at the time than I kind of like remember them for. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going with an actor who's... Right now, he's in his early 40s. He's, he's just a couple years older than me. But I definitely think he could lead a movie. And Wedge is very cool and calm and laid back. He's not very aggressive. So I went, and this was actually at my wife's suggestion, which I really liked. I went with Chewetel Ejiofor as my Wedge Antilles. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, he was in uh, Doctor Strange as um, yeah, the Firefly movie as well. Firefly and Serenity was a bad guy in that one. Yeah. Um, but he, he was, was very kind of cool and calm and collected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also in The Martian. Loved him in The Martian. Mm-hmm. He's a little iffy in that. Not if not his performance is iffy, just like he's very kind of neurotic almost in that one. Um, but I think he's a great actor, and I could totally see him running a series. So, yeah, he's my yeah. wedge. Okay, interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about turning Wedge into his own kind of, you know, a spinoff, but I think that totally makes sense. And uh, Chewetel Edel Edgewafor, I think I, <laughs> I know he is. He's a fantastic actor, so yeah, love it. All right, who was your wedge? I kind of went. I definitely went. Well, I've been about a decade younger. I want someone who's like in their low thirties right now. That's who I initially was going for mm-hmm. before I ended up settling on, okay. on Chewetel. Because I wanted to have a little. I wanted my Luke and Leia to definitely feel like they could play late high schoolers. You know, mm-hmm. or maybe you know that kind of age. And so I needed my 
Wedge to play someone just a little bit older than Luke because you could tell Luke look up to Wedge and you know I would say he needs to be a little bit just obviously a little bit older than Luke does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking around. I uh, I ended up settling on this guy. He was in the Terminator Dark Fate movie. He was in the Rock of Ages. He's been in Scream Queens, a lot of different stuff. And I he's got he's a good looking dude. Um, who I think maybe similar enough, like Oscar Isaac, kind of like, you know, you need a good looking guy who can kind of like, you know, lead an X-Wing group. And I think he could do it. His name is Diego Bonetta. He's a Hispanic actor. Um, he's been in plenty of stuff recently. Uh, the Monster Hunter movie. Overall, I think he is a good looking dude who I think I kind of, you need, I think my my wedge to be kind of like mm-hmm. leading man looks. Uh, so. I mean, looking at his list, I've not seen anything he's been okay. in. He is a good-looking dude. He's got enough uh, uh, enough acting credits to, that tells me um, that he's a viable actor. He's still working right now. Yeah, I am all for that. Cool. All right. Love it. I'm all for that. All right, Grand Moff Tarkin. Adam, why don't you give us who you picked for our kind of our pretty much our lead bad guy, essentially, in this one. You're right. You know, Vader even takes orders from Grand Moff Tarkin in yeah. his own. I mean, yes, uh, Vader is a badass in his own right, but Marf Tarkin's really the guy who runs everything in this first one. And I, I can't remember the guy who who played the original off the top of my head. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. Thank you. I mean, he was he did a he had a great intimidating, just kind of I don't know. I, I loved him. He was just wonderful yeah. in the role. I don't know how to how to put it, but so I went with a British actor. Who is, I think, a great villain uh, in multiple different things. I maybe love him best as this villain in an animated movie that he did for Disney Bay way back in '94, uh, Lion King. But I think he would make a wonderful Grand Moff Tarkin with Jeremy Irons. I mean, shit, Jeremy Irons can't go wrong with that. I, I mean, I agree. He, he, he would. Uh, he's obviously made a great villain in the Lion King, mm-hmm. which you know we can. He can do that with his voice. Yeah. I yeah, I have nothing bad to say about Jerry Ar- Jeremy yeah, Irons. You? I was actually I was I enjoyed him as uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Oh yeah, yeah in right. in the the recent uh, Justice League and, and Batman. So I thought he was fine mm-hmm. in that. A little bit younger yeah. than I kind of wanted my Alfred to be, but mm-hmm. either that or you know, it's Jeremy Irons, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he can he's do like whatever he wants. Sixty six, sixty seven, something like that, right now. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I went with. A little bit of a lesser known actor, lesser known in his name, but not lesser known in the character that he you will remember him for. Um, so, oh, se- sorry, seventy two, Jeremy Irons, right now. So he's, he's okay. up there in age. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin is cool but devious. Yeah. And I'm not sure there was anyone who exemplified the cool but devious role as Tywin Lannister, I went with Ooh. Charles Dance as my Grand Moff Tarkin. Great fucking call. I've, I've kind of been re-watching the Game of Thrones from the beginning, and just, oh, that dude, granted it's written as the character of Tywin Lannister, but just the way he portrays himself, he intimidates every person he comes across in that show, and I think he could totally do the same uh, as Grand Moff Tarkin. Without question. I think that is... Um that's a wonderful, like, I, I'd call it a one-to-one, but, like, mm-hmm. he might probably even elevate it anymore, or, you know, more than uh, even the original. And he's he's got that feel. He plays villains very well. Yep. That's perfect. Perfect. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, C-3PO. I'm thinking for C-3PO, and I'll go ahead and say now, for Darth Vader, I'm just thinking the voice. Oh, yeah. 
I'm not really worried about whoever's inside the suit. I I had a really hard time with C-3PO um, just because uh, uh, Anthony Daniels, you know, so and he probably could still do it if you're just doing the voice. <laughs> and I actually, I think my answer is kind of a cop-out answer because I love this actor. He does great voices. He's already played a droid in the Star Wars universe, but I've heard his Anthony Daniels impression and I think he can do whatever he wants. I just went with Alan Tudyk. Dude, that was the first name that came to my mind. And yeah. probably because of the, but I tried to stay away because he is in the Star Wars universe. I know. I copped out on that one. Yeah. That was the first name that I came up with. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't. I just, I didn't feel I could use him. But I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. So. All right. So then who did you go with for C3PO? I went with the other cop out answer, in my opinion. <laughs> um, when you're thinking of, uh, now definitely he can just do the voice. He has done voices in animated. Like at least an animated movie I've seen before. That was cute enough. But when I think C-3PO in human form, I think Big Bang Theory is Jim Parsons. So I went with Jim Parsons <laughs> as my C-3PO. That's a great call. I mean, I yeah. I think that would be uh, I think that'd be a great uh, addition for him. It, I'm yeah. all, I'm all for that. Okay. Yeah. I'm all for that. Totally. That, I mean, Alan Tudyk is great, but like if you're going for some, if you need someone who's not been in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe, I think that's a perfect call. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Han Solo. Um, I didn't bother putting Chewie in here because it really didn't matter. Yeah, Han Solo. Um, I did not. I thought Alden. I can't even say the dude's name. Alden Enrich, Aaron Reich. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who played uh, Solo? I thought he did an okay job. He did okay. The problem is, is, is in the universe. To me, in my head, in a universe where Han. Where the Han Solo in that universe is Harrison Ford. Don't try to do early Harrison Ford. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so, I that's part of the problems I had with the film. I thought the I ended up thinking the film was okay. I actually waited a very long time to watch it. I didn't watch it when it came out. It was probably see when did it come out? It came out in 2018. It was probably not until last year when I finally saw this film. Um, and I thought it was okay. It wasn't great, but I don't think it was as bad as people made it out to be. But it was just sort of man. So, but I didn't want to go with him because we're rebooting. Yep. Um, so I just needed someone who I I thought kind of had a, a good look for a Han Solo type. And what I ended up coming up with was a character, an actor I've actually used before, uh, and I'm loving him on the boys. I went with Jack Quaid for Han Solo. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he's even kind of got a look similar. He's got a little bit of look. He's a little scrawny, which is fine. I I can have a scrawny Han Solo. Yeah, I I like that. I like that. Definitely fits. Looks good. Okay, cool. Who did you go with? Yeah, I I made the decision. um, Well, one, Harrison Ford wasn't a huge name, but he was already a name. Right. Before this, so he, you know, has had some good acting credits. And... When you go back and, and rewatch, Han Solo just epitomizes cool with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted an actor who I feel epitomizes some cool. And I think, honestly, if you wanted to do some spinoffs or whatever with this guy, you totally could. I, I give it a cop out because there's no chance in hell you'll say, oh, that's a bad call. Um, because we both love this fucker to death. And he's uh, <laughs> one of the best leading guys right now, even though this is not the leading role. Harrison Ford kind of made Han Solo kind of a lead guy. Um, I went with Michael B. Jordan as my Han Solo. He's fucking cool as hell. Yeah, I actually did consider him as well. Okay, I I was like, I should just go with Michael B. Jordan. Like, no, I've gone with him a lot. (laughs) That's exactly. It's a cop out because 
I'll, I could put him in almost any kind of leadish role, yeah. and both of us will be out down for it. And we do for a lot of them because we know we'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's all right. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. He'd be, he'd be a good Han, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to... Ooh, okay. Do we want to do Obi-Wan first or Darth Vader first? Nah, yeah. Let's go to Obi-Wan first. Okay. Uh, who did you pick for your Obi-Wan? Yeah, you definitely got to have an older actor, um, someone who is, is pretty well distinguished. Uh, Alec mm-hmm. Guinness obviously didn't understand, I think, the <laughs> <laughs> entirety of what he was getting into. Right. Um, or he didn't, you know, he was just, this was a paycheck for him, I think. <laughs> but, you know, this actor, I've seen him do a lot of different stuff from some action things to definitely some comedy stuff. I think even to some kind of mentor type things before, which I think would obviously would fit well with this one. Really good actor. I wanted to try overall, just try and get some more diversity into Star Wars because there mm-hmm. is what's called no diversity <laughs> in Star Wars, pretty much. So I went with a guy who's just, he's too old for this shit, but he's a great actor. I went with Danny Glover. <laughs> That's an interesting call. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I kinda, you know what? It, you know what I kind of, I think I was harking back to was the um, uh, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Actually, mm. even I, th- I think we actually might have even both cast him as uh, the old guy in Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, oh, I think we did. Jolie, Jolie Bindu. Yeah. I think we both, because that's exactly what that character was like. And I was just like, okay, you know what? Uh, maybe, maybe maybe all of that tied in <laughs> to this. So. <laughs> that's a, no, I'm fine with that. I'm fine okay, with that. Cool. Most of the time I think of him as, as kind of a comedic actor, but no, yeah, he's, yeah. he's totally good enough. He could do it. Cool. I had kind of the same mentality as you. I wanted an older distinguished actor. Um, I wanted a little bit of diversity in there because, you know, Obi-Wan, while he does have a, a you know, a fight scene with Darth Vader, I'm, I'm hoping nowadays we could probably make it a little bit better fight scene. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, you know, someone who's got to have that sort of air of wisdom and knowledge and, I wanted to make him not, how do I say this? I want to make him a little harsher, mm-hmm. maybe an attitude, not not necessarily bad, just maybe a little bit yeah. more assertive. Yeah, more hardened. Yeah. I went with Wes Studi. Oh, Wes Studi's good. You know who I was thinking you were actually going to say Edward James almost, but Wes Studi is a fantastic, I mean, that's, they're both great. They're both two actors that I'll never shit on. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I figured, you know, West Duty can can bring knowledge, wisdom, and and you know, it'd be cool to see him in a. It'd be cool to see him do something like futuristic. Yeah. Because I'm always seeing him, obviously, in older films about westerns and all that stuff. And you know, granted, it is playing to his heritage, but at the same time, the dude can act. Let him act in the future. Well, Boy, granted, yeah. it's the past yeah. in a galaxy far, far <laughs> away. But to us, it feels like the future. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. It's a good call. All right, the big bad. Well, not the big bad, but who would essentially become the big bad? Darth Vader. I just went strictly on voice. I'm not going to talk this guy up too much because you know how much I love his voice because I know how much you love his voice. I just went with Keith David. Oh, that's a good call. That's a great call. Goliath, baby. Yeah, he's got that great deep voice. I mean, they're going to mechanicize it a little bit. Um, You know, I mean, James Earl Jones' voice was iconic it was perfect I, you can definitely tell in the most recent stuff we've seen him in he's he is definitely getting up there i mean i think he's mm-hmm. in his 80s at this point he's very oh, yeah very very close and, and you can kind of hear it a little bit in his voice but i mean to me he will always be the darth vader but if i had to if i had to go with someone else who's got that great low-end voice keith david does it for me yep that's correct 
Uh, James Earl Jones is 90. Officially. Oh my gosh. He turned 90 this year. So. What scares me is that is that relatively soon we're going to live in a world without a James Earl Jones. Yep. And yep. Um, I mean, and Morgan Freeman's not, he's like 83. So it's yeah. just like those guys, like two of the best voices of oh, a generation. God. I are know. Just gonna, it's, ooh. I so. know. God. I'm going to end up watching a shit ton of movies when, 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 when you unfortunately inevitably lose those two gentlemen. Yeah. Um, I had a very similar thought process. Um, I leaned into the, the voice and I went with a voice actor who could change some things a little bit, but he is extremely well known for his low voice. And, you know, he could still, just like Keith David, you have to have that low voice and James Earl Jones killed it. Yeah, but like they have their own low voices and their own distinguishedness and their own intimidation with uh, with uh, Keith David and then mm-hmm. my guy who has done just a slew of cartoons and other stuff. Kevin Michael Richardson, yeah, he's great. He was he's another great. guy on my list too. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm a who are my who are my go to low voices? Yeah, Keith David, Kevin Michael Richardson, <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. Kevin Conroy a little bit, but like, mm-hmm. I consider uh, yeah. Dennis Haysbert as well. Yeah, yeah he's a so. good one. But I'm not at all surprised at that, and I'd be totally fine with that if I heard that. Like, oh, he's doing the voice. Okay, I'll uh, absolutely yeah, exactly. I'll go see him and support him on that. And that's 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 the thing is, you know, we are doing this kind of casting, and you know, we're not doing it in a world where Star Wars never existed. We're doing it in a world where Star Wars did exist, and if they cast either Keith David or Kevin Michael Richardson, I would be like, you know what, that does not shit on the on 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 James Earl Jones. Yeah, you know, that does not that does not make his voice that he created any lesser it's just taking these two guys who we know are fantastic and they will find their own way to honor him but also make it their own yeah and i absolutely love to see that absolutely uh all right our then unknown twins luke and leia we'll start with leia and adam who did you go with uh can i do both sure go ahead Uh, i want to do both because you did something similar last time i went with uh, I went with um, their brother and sister, even though they do kiss on this movie. <laughs> maybe I'd skip the kiss part <laughs> in this one. Or like because. make it the cheek or something. Yeah, or, or something. Um, because uh, similar, I can't remember what it was recently you had us. Oh, oh it, was Brian, wi- it was the it wings. It was wings, yeah. It was wings. So yes, I cast a legit brother and sister acting uh, team. Well, they're not really a team, but um, they have been, I don't know if they've acted together. The brother was in Super 8. He was also in this great movie called American Wrestler that um, some guys that I used to work with did. It's a fantastic film. I highly recommend anybody go check it out. Uh, And his sister, so he was born, I think it was like 94, and his sister born in like 96. And that's kind of like, you know, mid-20s that I think could probably still play low Mm -hmm. 20s or high teens. I'm pretty pretty sure he was in his early 20s when he played, or, you know, Mark Hamill was. Yep. So I went with um, Gabriel Basso to play my Luke and Annalise Basso to play my Leia. All right. I do not know the names off the top of my head, but I'm looking them up as I speak. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anything they've been in, but. Okay. You, 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 you didn't see Super 8 back in the day? I No, I haven't, I've never seen Super 8. Okay. They got good looks. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm just gonna have to rely on you to know. I the fact that they are brother and sister, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gonna be interesting. I mean, they're both actors. They both been acting for a good while. Yeah, looks they, like. They, and the thing that I kind of liked about them, yes, they're brother and sister. They don't look too much like brother and sister. No, so they it don't. Could still be a surprise. The other people I wanted to go with looked 
almost exactly the same. And so I was just like, oh, that would be a little too obvious that they're yeah. brother and sister. So this one could still kind of um ha- have that twist. Okay. I'm all for that. I'm all for okay. that. Um, they've got they've got enough credits that and for a while that tells me they've been they've been in this game you know long enough. Yeah, and you want some unknowns. I I wouldn't want to yeah. put any huge name in here because I like the idea that it's you know they're younger actors and younger people who you know here's their time to potentially you know really take off. Yeah. Uh, so I went with two. I didn't go with unknowns. I went with two very well known actors. Okay. Um, initially, because everyone's been talking about uh, Sebastian Stan kind of mm. taking over for... Oh, yeah. Um, which, in my opinion, I think they should have done that in The Mandalorian because that the CG, while it was it was impressive, was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, think, I don't think anyone would have begrudged them of saying, hey, we're trying to do this story in this timeline, and it's very hard to, you know, age actors back. Let's just have Sebastian Stan be Luke. I don't think I I would have been totally fine with that, um, but Sebastian can't play young Luke. He's got to play the Luke of the time of the Mandalorian, post True. you know post Return of the Jedi. So I can't have him be my you know eighteen year old Luke Skywalker. So I went with. Very obvious actors. Uh, for my Leia, I went with a girl who's going to be the new Kate Bishop, Haley Steinfeld. Okay. Uh, and for Luke, I went with Tom Holland. Okay. I, Tom Holland actually was one that I did kind of think about early on. He has kind of got like that nerdy. He could, he could whine and complain. Oh, but I don't want to go to Tashi for the power converters. <laughs> I can totally see Tom Holland doing that kind of yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. So I mean yeah. they're very well known actors and 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 such. It's probably be better to go with more unknowns like like you were doing. But mm-hmm. I had a hard time finding anyone I just that was just jumping out at me. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go with these two because I yeah. know they're good. They're mm-hmm. they are in their like early twenties right now, so they can play eighteen ish. Although okay. I'll just say, um, uh, Carrie Fisher never felt to me like she was eighteen, <laughs> even in the first movie. Well, she definitely carried herself. You yeah, know, like she, she. I mean, absolutely. Her her demeanor was boss bitch for sure. Yeah, exactly. So overall, I think we did a pretty good job of yeah. of casting a rebooted Star Wars: A New Hope. Exactly. I hope everyone out there, you know, yeah, you might have been uh, miffed when you heard we were doing this, or you know, <laughs> at the top. <laughs> but like, once you listen to our casting, I hope you kind of like nodded your head and be like, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Again, Hollywood. I'm still waiting by my phone. Okay, I'm not writing by the phone. The phone is always with me now. Yes. I don't have to wait by the phone anymore. But I think we have a real potential as casting directors in this industry. I still don't know why we haven't been called. But uh, all right, that was our recasting of Star Wars A New Hope. Please join us next time for another album review. John and Adam talk about how Dave Grohl is a rock god when they review... The Foo Fighters album, The Color and the Shape. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.